right, we are back. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Up next, standing by to join us, is Benjamin Ludwig, author of Ginny Moon. Good morning. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. How are you? I am wonderful. How are you, Janine? Great. We were just chatting how you're calling in from New Hampshire, and I used to work up there. I remember commuting from Brookline every day. Beautiful. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a small world, you I know, know, California, New Hampshire. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, wonderful. So tell me about how you decide to write this book. Okay, well, um, I've been writing books for a really long time. This mm-hmm. is just the first published one. Um, so really, it was it was something that came up that I, I had to incorporate into into my my uh, my, my next writing project. Um, my wife and I are foster parents, and in 2009, we adopted a young lady with autism from the foster care system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, in 2013, after our daughter had been with us for a while, um, I came home from a Special Olympics basketball event one evening, and and I had this voice ringing in my ears, and it wasn't my daughter's voice or the voices, uh, you know, the voice of any of the athletes I had just been speaking with. Yes. Uh, but it was this persistent, compelling, really intense, kind of crazy voice. Um, so, being a writer, I sat down and tried to write from its perspective, and uh, Jeannie Moon was was born. Fantastic. Now, let me back up a second. The theme of my show is get the funk out, and I heard you say this is my first published book. So, how did you decide to keep going and stay so positive when this is really tough? Oh, there's nothing positive about it. It's an addiction. Yeah, that's true. I mean, really. That's true. <laughs> that's the truth. I mean, uh, you know, I, I could, I, I would be lying if I said, um, oh, I just kept the faith and had a great work ethic. No, you know, I mean, for me, writing, um, uh, not only is it an art, it is something I'm completely hooked on. And I hear that from a lot of my writer friends. It's it's just something we, we can't our daily lives. Right. Right. I find that when I, I tell people this, when I travel, I get on a plane, I bring a, a notebook. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, oh, that last bit. You get on a plane and... I bring a notebook, and I just yeah, start of writing yeah. and cranking out all kinds of things, whether it's an article or a short story, or sometimes that happens to be my best work. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Same, same situation for me. It's, it becomes a way of thinking and a way, a way of living. You, uh, yeah, like, I can't think properly without... Uh, well, doing two things, really. First, writing down what I think. Um, and also taking a walk. I find a lot of my best thinking oh, yes. and best writing gets done what, during physical activity, that monotonous kind of sink into that zone. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I always have a notebook with me or a laptop or a phone or something. That's great. And uh, constantly scribbling down ideas. No, that's perfect because a lot of times we get discouraged. You know, we can't get those initial books or ideas published. And then you come around to this great idea, which sounds yep. like what and- happened to you. Yeah, it really was a mysterious thing for me when Jeannie's voice came. I mean, uh, I, I tell people, and it's it's so strange for me to even repeat, um, when I started writing from that perspective, I knew I had something good. I knew I had something really exciting for myself as an artist. Um, but then, you know, it was only one scene. That's not enough to do anything with. So I, I wrote an outline. I had this big, crafted outline, careful narrative arc, all that good stuff, um, and started writing scene two. And then mm-hmm. Jenny, the voice of Jenny, broke the outline. She refused to comply <laughs> with scene two. <laughs> so she kind of took over. And I did that, like, oh, my goodness, for months. I would write an outline based on the scene I'd just written. And then Jenny would wreck it. She'd just, you know, no, we're going to go. We're going to do this instead. Um, so, Amazing. yeah, when it happens, it happens. And it's, it's not something that you can really, not something that I can plan for. Right. Um, in fact, I hope I can pull it off for book two. <laughs> well, I was going to say, the way you wrote this book, you know, exactly 10.55 in the morning, Saturday, November 20th, I, I felt like all these details just pulled me right into the book. 
Jenny's a very detail-oriented girl. Um, she doesn't want to talk about generalizations. She's got an agenda, and she's bugging for it, and uh, that's what really um, makes me hold on as a writer and just let her let her lead the way. You want to talk about the role of Michael Jackson in her life? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, Michael Jackson is the one piece of of like real connection between Ginny Moon and my own adopted daughter. Uh, my oh. daughter is a Michael Jackson nut, oh. um, and if I'm honest, I am too. Because um, yeah. you know what, what's not to love about MJ? Yes. Uh, but yeah, we're huge Michael Jackson fans, and and uh, one of the things I find that people really appreciate about Michael Jackson is that he does have this very childlike, um, genuine. Uh, vibe, yes. if you will. Oh, yeah. And that's what, that's what Ginny appreciates, because she feels safe when she listens to Michael Jackson. Right. Without giving the book away, do you want to share a little bit more about it? Sure, yeah. So the gist of the book is Ginny Moon is a 14-year-old girl with autism who's just been adopted from the foster care system. Uh, and as soon as she gets into her new forever home, as she calls it, she starts plotting her own kidnapping. Because she thinks, or she says, she tells everybody, that she left something behind in her birth mother's apartment. So her plan is to go get herself kidnapped so she can go get this thing that's mm-hmm. under her bed um, in her birth mom's apartment. And you know, she tells people, she tells her teachers, she tells her therapists, her social workers, her new parents, she says, hey, there's this thing I have to go get. And they, they, they just don't take her seriously because she's a child with an intellectual disability. Yes. And quite often, um, if I get across in the book, Quite often, we don't take things uh, seriously enough from people who uh, might not think the same way that we do. Interesting. So I was thinking as I was reading through this book how you said it's, you know, it is fiction, but it's, it is not fiction in a sense because you have this adopted daughter. Was mm-hmm. writing this book mm-hmm. kind of a, um, I don't want to say um, a healing process, but it, what, what did you get from writing this book? That's what I'm trying to yeah. say. Yeah. Oh, definitely not a healing process yeah. because our daughter was like, like as we, as you may recall, we say out here, she was wicked easy. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of being a kid, you know, she was really a sweet girl. Yes. Um, she's she's just about to turn twenty one this week, actually. Oh, um, but writing this book let me envision like all of the horrible horribleness <laughs> that could possibly have happened mm-hmm. um, to to a new set of adoptive parents, and I mean, I really just let it go. Yeah. Um, or I should say, let Ginny go because I imagine some some really dark, horrible things. Um, and of course, none of it is even remotely based on anything. Um, but it is sort of a worst case scenario. Sure, I think this would be a great read for people that do struggle, obviously, with you know what comes their way because you don't know. It is scary. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and and I, I hope um, a lot of people read it and and are. Uh, Sort of, sort of had the interest peaked in adoption and foster care. I mean, that mm-hmm. might sound funny considering how horrific parts of the book are. Not, not that it's like gory or anything. No, like. no. Um, but I, I do think it opens up a lot of questions. Like, could I be a good parent regardless mm-hmm. of who I am? You know, do you know? Is my lifestyle one that I'd be willing to have impacted um, in order to take care of a child, really save a child's life? And I hope the answer is yes for a lot of folks. Yeah. So, what's in store for you next? You mentioned another book. Well, right now I'm I'm sort of working full time. I'm home full time, taking care of my my three year old son and my my oh. seven year old daughter when she gets home from school. Um, but while I'm taking care of my three year old, I'm supposedly working on my my second novel. <laughs> I've got a first draft finished, and I'm I'm trying to crank through the revisions right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about a child with autism or a foster kid, but it is about a little boy, and he becomes a poet. 
Oh, that's so nice. I have a thing for, uh, I, I enjoy writing about um, kids in school because I've been a, a public school teacher for, for so very long, or at least it feels long for me. Um, and, and I just, I think I naturally gravitate towards that mindset, the, you know, the adolescent child brain. Right. Well, this book, Ginny Moon, you got a lot of praise for it, but I feel like after reading through that, it could have been like a short film. Did you? That sounds okay. Yeah, I mean, did you? Because <laughs> it's so visual and so detailed. I don't know. I just kept thinking, wow, this could be like a film somewhere at a festival. I would love to see that. And in fact, if there's any producers out there, give me a call, really. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> no Ginny does go. I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird sort of uh, paradox. I mean, Ginny, most of the, of the book is inside, literally inside her head. It's almost all internal monologue. Right. Um, and yet she acts. You know, she's, she's very, very quiet on the outside. And in the inside, she's quite messy and, and verbose in her mind. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you don't hear any of that if you're just standing next to her. But then you see all these actions. Oh, my goodness. And she's, yeah, she's on an adventure, really. Amazing. So before we wrap, do you have advice for people that are writers, that, you know, they're struggling? Have you talked earlier about your process? You know, it's yeah, it's tough Yeah, sure. The, the first thing, which probably is predictable at this point, um, I would tell struggling writers is... Um, don't struggle. Get hooked. If there's something you're working on and it's a, it's like a labor to get back to it, don't work on that. Right. I mean, go for, go for the juice. You have to find that thing. Like, I'm sorry, it's like a drug. You've got to find that thing that hooks you and just pulls you and makes you keep going. That doesn't mean it's always that intense. Um, but, you know, a lot of the time I, I do think it has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also tell writers um, you need to carve out a space for yourself and, you know, to write regularly, whether that means every other day or every day. And that, that time and space has to be something that other people respect. I mean, yes. you have to respect yourself enough to, to get it for yourself. But you have to tell other people, hey, this is my writing time. You really need to just need some space here for this. And sure. I think with those two things, people can get it done. I love how this book was inspired through your conversations with parents at the Special Olympics. I mean, you, you never know where you're going to find that story. No, but you can find it at Special Olympics. <laughs> I bet. Um, Special Olympics parents are so cool because, like, half of them are, are foster or adoptive parents themselves, and, like, the other half, that's not an actual statistic, of course, but the, like, the other half is just people who have had these kids with incredible disabilities and have really, uh, you know, worked through how to, how to live with them. Yes. So they have amazing tales to tell, and uh, I was absolutely inspired by hearing all of them. Fantastic. If people want to reach out to you, where can they find you? My website is BenjaminLudwig.com, and I'm also on Twitter at B.I. Ludwig. Wonderful. Thank you so much for calling in, and uh, I love the East Coast, so uh, one of these days I'll have to get up to New Hampshire again. It's so beautiful. Ha, let me know. We'll do lunch. All good right. To talk so, to sounds good. Thank you so much. Right. Bye-bye. Sure thing. Bye-bye. That was Benjamin Lugwood calling in to talk about Ginny Moon, his debut novel, and uh, it's really a wonderful read. Again, his website is BenjaminLudwig.com, and if you missed any part of this, it will be up on my show blog within an hour or so after I wrap. Get org, and if you want to follow the show, I am on Twitter at moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock, and also KUCI is on Twitter at KUCI-FM. We're on Instagram at KUCI-FM, Tumblr, blog.kuci.org, and we are on Facebook at KUCI 88.9. All right, we'll take a little break, and then we'll be back with author Melissa Delacruz talking about her book, Alex and Eliza. 
a love story. It was inspired by Hamilton. And also, after that segment, we're going to uh, chat with Gary Peel from the band Boston. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. 